Well, I'm kind of excited for this time this morning with you guys in Romans chapter 6. We've been doing two services for a few weeks now, been enjoying it. Um, I, I'm planning on preaching the same sermon, but every sermon ends up being a little different. So I'm kind of excited to see what the Lord would have for us here this morning as we jump into Romans chapter 6 together. Uh, but before we jump in here, I think it's just good to kind of come around the idea of living in the newness of life that we have in Christ. Because we can ask people, do you want a new life? And a lot of people are going to say, yeah, but there's also a lot of people that are going to say no. Have you guys ever caught when we read through the Gospels, okay, light came into the world, right? Jesus, okay? But people weren't willing to come to the light. Why? Because they loved the darkness, right? And sometimes we ask, do you want a new life? And there's many people that are going to say, no, I don't. Okay, I like living in the dark. I like my sin. I like, and part of it is they can't see all that God has for them and just the blessings there are in the newness of life. But there are those that are watching us. They're looking on like, hey, I see that you profess Christ. You've come to faith. I've known you for a while. Things have changed. Things are new in your life. And I'm liking what I see. I want that too, you know? Um, so it's one of those questions that Paul here, as we've been working through Romans, brings us to today. And I really want to take a, just a moment just to clarify a few of the things that Apostle Paul has laid out for us thus far. We know that we've been justified by faith, okay? If you want to be in a place as just as if you've never sinned, justification, to have that right standing with God, it's because you've put your faith in Christ because that's the only way we can be justified. And Paul laid that out for us clearly. And also our standing now is in the grace of God. It's not in and of ourselves because our righteousness in the eyes of God is, are as fifth, filthy rags as the prophet Isaiah told us. Okay, None of us are good enough on our own. And that's why he laid out grace so clearly for you and I. And also, there's a rejoicing now that we have in glory. You guys remember formerly, okay, being in Adam, we belonged to Adam, the author of sin and death, but we now belong to God. Isn't that cool? So you think about what that means. So Paul puts works, rituals, the law in its rightful place. And where sin abounded, as we looked last time in the book of Romans when we were together in chapter 5, where sin abounded, grace super abounded. I think that is so cool. So if you guys have been tracking with us, you guys know um, we see a lot of outlines in Scripture. Paul, chapter 1 of Romans to chapter 3, verse 20, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. We got wonderful theology that comes around the reality of all of us are sinners. Okay, very clear. Oh, what's the solution then? Well, it's our Savior, Jesus Christ. There is salvation in him. And that would be chapter 3, verse 21, all the way through chapter 5. And I love this morning because now into chapter 6, we're going to be able to see the reality of that salvation working out in our lives. What's the result of it? And I love where chapters 6, 7, and 8 bring us. A lot of us enjoy Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Love reading those words. I love reading the words here in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. So I hope this morning, if you're not familiar with this chapter, it's going to stir you up. It'll be a passage of scripture that you're going to return to often as a believer to get some right thinking, some right perspective. This is who I am in Christ. This is how I need to live out my salvation. Okay, very important. So before we jump in deep here, I want to share a riddle with you guys. Um, I enjoy riddles. And this riddle I'm going to share with you guys, 80% of kindergarteners get it right. If you go to Stanford University, only 17% of you will get it right. So I'm going to share it with you guys, and we'll see uh, who can get it. Uh, I'm going to throw it up here on the screen for the guys at home. What is greater than God, more evil than the devil? The poor have it, the rich need it, and if you eat it, you will die. Think about that. How many of you guys think you have the answer? A few of you, okay, are all you guys in kindergarten? 
<laughs> what is it, guys? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Um, which brings us to another riddle I want us to consider this morning. Um, and it is this, okay? Um, what is both dead and alive at the same time? What is both alive and dead at the same time? Yes, sir. Nope. A believer, okay? A believer in Jesus Christ. So think about that for a second. That's what the Bible teaches us. Well, can this be true? Yeah, it's true because God said it. So we're going to dive in to that reality this morning. But my question for you this morning, are you a believer? I don't care that you're here today. That doesn't make anybody a believer. You guys understand by walking through the doors of a church, that doesn't make you a believer. Okay, it's something you need to personally do. You know, maybe you were raised in the church, in the faith. That doesn't make you a believer personally. And let me tell you what, if you're not a believer, you need to give your life to Christ. And if you have given your life to Christ and you do that, Bible study gets so much better. I don't know about you guys. These things we're going through this morning, we're going to be so encouraged in as believers. But if a non-believer was taken in this talk we're having this morning, considering this passage of scripture, they're going to be like, you're all crazy. You're nuts. But it totally makes sense. When you've come to Christ, you understand that there's a newness in life. All things become new, that you're truly forgiven, that you're truly cleansed, and we need to walk in that truth. And I love how Paul lays this out for you and I this morning. So let's take a look here together at verse 1 of Romans chapter 6, and it's going to lay out for you and I our position as believers in Christ. It says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Okay, certainly not. Does someone have something else in their translation? By no means. means. Any other translation? God forbid. forbid. Of course not. Absolutely not. Anyone have no way, Jose? (laughs) That's what he's saying here, okay? Let's go on to verse 2. It tells us uh, here, certainly not. For how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in his likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So here, guys, considering death for you and I, what is he saying here? Well, he's saying we're dead to sin. So if we need not then continue in sin, that grace may abound. That's the point he's getting to. You see, we as sinners, all we need to do is confess. Okay? Are you in sin? Confess that sin. God, I've blown it again. I've stumbled again. I'm in sin again. Forgive me. Repent. It's that simple, guys. So, Grace abounds to us when we turn to the Lord right there. So being a Christian, guys, really is a matter of life and death. That's what Paul is laying out here for you and I. And the question really is stimulated for us back in chapter 5. Look at verse 20 with me there. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. I love it. So, the question goes like this. If God is gracious, then we should sin more so we can receive more grace. People actually think that way. But that's not right. Some people think it is, but that's not what the Bible teaches you and I. Because he says what? Certainly not. Okay? No way. So, they're thinking, okay, Paul's ultimate grace encourages sin, doesn't it? Isn't that what you're saying, Apostle Paul? Not at all, guys. His answer here is God's grace frees us 
from sin, not to sin. Does that make sense? We're free. We don't have to go there. We don't have to do that anymore because we are free from it. So it's true, guys. The saints are safe. It's false. They can live like they want. It's true. God will keep his own. It's false when sin you know, will do them no harm. And some people think that because, hey, we're under the grace of God. You reap what you sow. That's what the Bible says. It's also true that God gives us liberty. It's false that he gives us a license. It's true he gives protection, but it's false if he allows us presumption. So can you speak of freedom, of liberty in Christ with handcuffs on? I'm free in Christ. I'm just in bondage (laughs) to this sin. You know, that's not how it's to work. He's given us grace. He has freed us from sin. Can we boast of healing while that disease is still growing? Can we boast of victory when our arms, uh, when your army is about to surrender? Or can you have salvation in Christ when you continue to give full, you know, sway to evil uh, passions? You see, believers' identity, guys, is in Christ's death, in his burial, and in his resurrection, okay? And it's in the symbol of baptism is what Paul is telling you and I here. So the old life is sin in Adam. It's in the past for you and I. That's what he's saying. It's back there. It's gone. I want us to note, guys, that the early church people... Um, They didn't walk down an aisle or raise a hand to get saved. I don't see that in the scriptures, okay? Say the sinner's prayer, then you'll be saved. Have you guys found that Bible verse yet? Me neither. I'm still looking. What did they do? They got baptized. They're not saved by baptism, but that was their confession. I am going public with my faith, okay? And they identify in that. So my question for you and I is, have you gone public? Have you personally been baptized? Have you submitted to baptism? Now, baptism is not going to save you, but is that public profession of saying, hey, world, guess what? (laughs) I'm identifying with Christ. I believe he's the savior of the world. He's my Lord. He's my savior. I have faith in him, and I'm going to get baptized just like he asked me to. Um, I love baptisms. Been able to do uh, thousands, not thousands, hundreds over the years i wish it was thousands wouldn't it be cool if that many people were getting saved you know it's just like hey we have a baptism instead of a dozen or two people getting baptized hey we got hundreds or two hundreds of people coming out to get i think that'd be so cool um but anyways i've been able to do i love baptisms okay um it's always been a beautiful thing uh i got to get baptized in israel when I was there, I've had dreams about getting baptized in the Jordan, so I baptized myself here. I just, oh, you guys can't, at home can't see it. Let me show you guys at home. There we go. Took the big plunge. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, that was just the coolest thing. Um, my son and my other son and my daughter got baptized last summer at the quarry. Some of you other guys were also uh, there, but I think it's just one of the most beautiful. Like, I love that Sunday more than any other Sunday during the year. It's just like, here, are brothers and sisters who've come to faith in Christ and getting baptized. And I love this picture. Any of you guys who are a parent, okay, senior kids come to faith in Christ. I mean, that's the coolest thing. That's the only thing I want, you know? It's just like, as a parent, you want to give your kids everything, but the only thing that matters is do they know Jesus? You know, so the question is, do you know Jesus? And if you have, you get baptized. My oldest Uriah had asked for years, can I get baptized? And I'm like, oh, let's wait till we're 12, you know, because what do we do? When should we get baptized? Well, we don't baptize babies, right? Why? Because we're taught in scripture, it's a believer's baptism. Believe and be baptized. That's what we see. We never see a baby one time get baptized in the scriptures anywhere. That's not what is taught. What is taught is you come to faith personally in Christ, you believe, and then you get baptized. Well, how does that look? Then how old should you be? You should believe in Jesus. Okay, I had been telling Uriah for years, hey, let's wait till we're 12. Well, a sister that's four years younger than him, hey, can I get baptized? So we ended up having a conversation, 
And they all got baptized because I'm looking at my daughter and my middle son who's a couple years older and my oldest. They all know the Lord. They all trust him. They've put their faith in him. And it's like, yeah, you guys believe. That's what you do. You believe and then you get baptized. So we can't put a hard line on, hey, you have to be this old. But I always tell mom and dads, because if you have kids that have come to faith, you're the ones that know them best. They can come here and do our worship with us and do kids' church and profess Christ, but you see them day in and day out. Is Jesus real in their life? Is that faith genuine? Are you seeing fruits there? Is there true repentance? Is there lordship to him in their lives? So I encourage you guys, you know, be praying for our kids in that way, but also for us personally. You know, are we being obedient to what God's asked? Have you been personally? I know people who've been in the church for many years and never been baptized. I think it's just one of those first steps of obedience. You know, it's a small thing God's asked us to do, uh, but it's good to go public. So we'll be having a baptism August 22nd. Oh, you guys at home have been looking at this slide too long. Here we go. Hi, we're back. <laughs> um, so the 22nd of August market, we're going to be doing it at the quarry again, Lord willing, um, out in Freedom at Mark and Joe's place. I got a farm out there. We'll have a big potluck that day. And any of you guys that need to get baptized, let me know. Uh, one thing we like to do uh, is we offer a class because we just want to walk through scriptures uh, with you guys. What does the Bible teach about baptism? It's spoken of here, but there's a lot in the New Testament that it lays out, even Old Testament. So um, that would be cool uh let's move on here look at verse four with me okay it's talking about the old life is buried it says therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death so obviously this doesn't mean that our struggle is over i wish wouldn't you guys like think it'd be the coolest thing that hey when i come to faith in christ i never had to struggle with sin again wouldn't that just be the coolest thing like that whole sin nature is just completely gone i wish that's what happened you know, but the struggle is real. We still, and Paul talks about that. We're going to get into chapter seven where he really lays out that the struggle with sin, it is a normal part of the Christian life. And he's going to speak to that at length. So Paul's point here for us this morning is we are no longer under sin's mastery. Okay. Do you guys understand that? You don't have to sin. You're free from it. Okay, so any old sin you've gone back to, have dug up lately, don't let it master you. You're, you're free. It has nothing on you. Don't let that old man tell you what you got to be doing. You stand in the truth of what God says. And that's what I love about this passage here. Look at here. Um, Verse 4, it says that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. And then verse 5, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So Paul isn't talking about, you know, eventually bodily resurrection, though that would be included. Like one day we will be glorified imperfected we look forward to that but he's talking about living the resurrected life here right now that's what he's saying and that's what we get to do and that's what i want to do as your pastor this morning is encourage you in this scriptural truth this doctrine this is right for you and i okay to walk in the newness of life so a life free of sins domination and a life of newness so newness, that's a life that is new, it is fresh, okay? It's a quality there of it. Um, it's the new form of life. So Christ's death and resurrection are an important part of living out our faith, and that's sanctification. You guys understand we're being sanctified day by day. Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth. My word is truth, and we need his word. Man's not going to live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And if we're eating three times a day with our little snacks in between, how much more should we be hearing, taking in his word? This is how we're going to live. Because our thinking gets off. Aren't we told to renew our minds? Okay, The world's telling us its message. 
be conformed, live this way. All of you. But Christ is sanctifying. He's speaking truth to us. I've set you free. <laughs> you have new life. Walk in that. Be free to be who I've created you to be. Don't be held by sin any longer. And then, guys, it's as they are being saved, which is the justification. So we have sanctification being lived out. Justification is the day you came to faith in Christ. Okay? But there's a process. God's working in us. And how many of you guys can testify? Like, God's, I'm a work in progress. Like, yeah, we all have to testify. None of us have arrived. So let's go to verse 6 now. Knowing this, okay, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, um, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lusts, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace." So here, guys, is a threefold strategy that, is Paul, that Paul is laying out for you and I this morning about this new life. And this is what we need to catch this morning. We need to know, we need to consider, and we need to present. Those are the three things. So the knowing part. Do you guys know that right living comes from right thinking? So important, guys. And that's why we're called to renew our thinking. So step one is knowing that his death and resurrection, it affects us. As believers, it should affect every part of our lives. Affect us daily, moment by moment, presently. And also we're to know that our old man is crucified. Think about that. I love what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. Um, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live out that crucified life. A lot of people don't like that. That's not good preaching. That isn't going to sell, pastor. People don't want to hear that. Well, that's what we're going to get because that's what the Bible teaches us. Live that. I wish there were more preachers preaching the crucified life. But so much is about us. In our rights. Jesus said, hey, you want to follow me? What do you need to do? <laughs> Die to self. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. You follow me. And that's what it is to be a Christian, guys. We're following Jesus. It isn't just hearing the gospel and getting saved and just going on as life has always been. No, there's a cost. I'm giving my life, my allegiance was to a bad king, Satan. I was bound for hell. But you stepped into my life. I heard this good news and how much you loved me and you gave yourself for me. You died in my place. You're the good king. I want to give my allegiance to you. And you start walking by faith and you begin to follow him wherever that may lead. So we know that our old self, guys, has been nailed to the cross. Okay? Jesus Christ, we know that he took the this, sting this of death, right? But I think death died also with that. You guys know how like a bee, when it stings somebody, it's going to die. Okay, Jesus, that's what he did to death. It has nothing on us, guys. Okay, A lot of us are preparing for death. Every one of us are going to do it. We're all going to die. But for the Christian, we've already died. You guys understand that? That's what happened when you came to faith in Christ. My life, no longer mine, it's yours. I'm giving my life, I'm dying to self. It's you. And the cool thing is, when we die physically, we don't really die. 
Second you die physically, you're going to be in the presence of God Almighty. That's going to be pretty cool. Everything's going to be made right. You're going to be whole. No more pain, no more sorrow. It's going to be wonderful and beautiful. But we don't die, okay? The death we die is when we put our faith in Christ. My life is no longer mine. It is yours. Dead to sin, alive to Christ. So knowing... um, That living this new life, it starts with the knowing. That's what Paul is telling us. Knowing. Knowing that he died to set us free from sin. Knowing that our old self is nailed to the cross with him. Knowing that just as Jesus rose from the dead, we'll live forever. And we have been raised with him to new life that has no end, guys. And also knowing that we no longer live with the tyranny of sin. We've been set free from it. And let me add for us here, Freedom Fellowship, saints, I want us to get this. The gospel, it not only rescues us from present sin, it rescues us currently from the power of sin and will one day rescue us from sin, presence of it altogether. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's why I tell you guys all the time, preach the gospel to yourselves. We need it before us always. We need to live in it. You guys understand how important it is for you and I to live the gospel-centered life. You know, we can be tripping out on what's going on, you know, on the right here and the left. It's easy when we get our eyes on the stuff. This relationship's a wreck, okay? What a struggle here. Did you see what they're doing? Man, we need to look to Christ, our eyes on him. We need to preach the gospel because let me tell you what. When we're preaching the gospel to ourselves, we're going to find ourselves living out the gospel. And doesn't the gospel shed light upon everything? Doesn't give perspective and clarity to everything? And that's why it's got to be the foremost important thing in our lives. It's not about this or that. That's what Satan wants us tripping up on. We need to be about Jesus. We need to be about the gospel. So Christians need a radical reorientation of the now power of the gospel. It's not just what he did to, you know, for me that I could get saved. I have a testimony. Great. No, the gospel is now, right now, whatever we're presently facing. Some people want me to preach other things. You're going to get Jesus Christ and him crucified. Why? Because that's what the Bible lays out. And the gospel is what we need, saints. It never gets old because it is practical right now, here, today, presently, in our lives in our church. I used to think, we all know Romans 1.16, right? For I'm not ashamed of the power of, or the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. I used to think that is like the evangelical verse of the New Testament. Of course I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to go tell people about Jesus because that's how they're going to get saved. But the reality of that verse, guys, is that saving is right now. It is present right now in our lives, guys. It's just not rescuing us from our past, okay? But it's for the future and it's for the present. It's not just the power of God to convert us, but it is the power of God to change us. And we want to see change. And we think if we give ourselves to this or that, and we stand in our rights, then we're going to see the change happen. No, according to the scriptures, the change comes through the gospel. That is the power of God unto salvation. That's the saving we need. And when we are gospel-centered brothers and sisters, things just fall into place. We have right perspective, and we're going to have right living as a result of it. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be Christ-like. And I know I fall short. Why? Because I get into my stuff myself, my opinions, my rights. And it's just ugly for everybody else I'm around. And it's really ugly for myself personally. But when I'm in that sweet spot of just looking to Jesus, being reminded of who he is, the reality of the gospel, and I'm living in that, those situations, I'm going to come to those situations differently. You're not the problem. The issues aren't the problem. Jesus is the answer. Because there's a bigger problem than what we're wanting to trip about. What if we gain this whole world and lose our soul, guys? Isn't that what we're fighting about? 
the temporal, the here and the now. Eternity is eternal. Eternal life is gospel. And that is what Jesus has to offer to all people. And that's what we get to live in. And that's what we get to live through and share with others. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be gospel-centered. And when we go to the scriptures, when we open up to Romans 6, how can you not have that perspective? How can we not get our thinking right? And that's why we need to do this. Okay, We all eat, but we need to be eating the word of God just as much. Because my thinking, you guys might be better than me, but I, I, I forget quickly. I need to be reminded constantly. It's right, you're right, God. <laughs> I'm wrong. I don't know why I bought into that. I don't know why I was listening to them. Because you're the one that's right. And we need to go back. So, think about salvation, guys. Past, present, future. Justifies, sanctifies, glorifies, right? So the gospel doesn't simply rescue us from the past, but for our future. Okay, God is changing us. So we need to be preaching the gospel to ourselves every single day. Make a point of that. Well, isn't that what Sunday's for? <laughs> Is that why you're in my life, Pastor? <laughs> no, guys. I'm hoping I get to stir you up. Bible instruction is very important. Getting this right is very important. I'm hoping, all I can do is point you guys to Jesus. Look to him. Look to him. But what about all this other stuff? No, <laughs> look to him. Okay. If you care more about the other stuff, you might want to find another church. But if you want to look to him, <laughs> that's what we're going to do here at Freedom. And how do we do that? We trust. What does he say? And we're praying. Aren't you guys praying today? Holy Spirit, speak to me. That's my desire. I want to hear from him. I don't want to waste our time. I want to hear from God. And he's faithful. He's faithful every day. So Jesus' law... Fulfilling life, right? And then death, defying death. His death defied death. And then the resurrection guarantees that one day all things will be made new. But there is a newness that he's working in us presently, today. All of Jesus' work is centered upon the gospel. And I want you guys to catch this. His life alone is not the center of the gospel. Okay, His death alone is not the center of the gospel his burial alone is not the center of the gospel all his works bring about redemption all of it play a key part of our lives guys and how we live out our faith today so when it tells us in verse 11 likewise you also reckon some of you guys are math guys Okay, you like what Paul's laying down here. We need to do the math, right? Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, what is both dead and alive at the same time? Believers in Jesus Christ. Okay, dead to sin and alive to Christ. So when we see this word reckon here, um, it's to consider or to calculate, okay? Regard, to recognize. Do the math. What does that crucified life look like? So it means to see the truth in your situation. Now each one of us have our situations. We're all going through something, okay? And we need to bring the light of Christ into those situations. What is his perspective, okay? Because there are things. We have circumstances. But how is he viewing those things? How does he see? Because oftentimes we see very like narrowly. This is all I see. <laughs> and there's a big picture of things going on. you know. And sometimes this thing isn't even to be a thing. But we're caught up on it. Because Satan doesn't want us actually seeing what's really needed. And what's really going on. Okay, So... This doesn't just happen for you and I. It's something that we as believers must do daily is to reckon this truth, 
to do the math, calculate what matters. And do you guys know the cool part about our God? His mercies are new every single day. Well, I've been missing the calculation, Pastor. (laughs) I've been missing the mark. Great. There is grace that God has for you that's going to superabound. His mercies are new every day. You blow it today, great. Redo tomorrow. That's our God. He's the God of second chances. What do we do? We repent. We get our thinking right. I've been thinking wrong. (laughs) I'm looking to what you're saying here. This is what you say. I'm going to start walking and living in this truth, in this newness of life. So Christ's death and resurrection has altered our position and we should live in accordance to this new reality. And he doesn't say here that sin is dead. I wish that's what was being told to you and I, but I don't read that here. It's not saying that. But it does say that we are to count ourselves dead to it. You guys catching that? We are dead to sin. So the sin of an unbeliever is the natural consequence of the fact that he's a slave to sin. So the sin of a believer is quite out of character. Okay, He has been set free. Set free. We don't have to do that anymore. We are set free. I've done some street preaching over the years, downtown Appleton. What do we have a lot of in downtown Appleton? A lot of bars. You know, the thing I found, I met a lot of people as I was sharing the gospel with them. They too were believers in Jesus Christ. And they're drunk and telling me about the grace of God. You know, and it's true. You guys know that, I, you know, all of us, we can drink as much as we want to drink if we're in Christ. We're free to do that. We are free to drink as much as we want to drink. Well, according to God's word, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why am I going to be getting drunk if God says that's sin and it's wrong? I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that to have a good time and to find life, to do away with my sorrows. I have truth. The truth is, I'm free not to do that any longer. I don't have to. And how many of us have friends who are addicted? That's how they live. They live for the weekend, the next party. Your heart breaks because they're the ones in bondage. They're not actually free. And that's what we have in Christ, and that's what we want to share with the world is we're set free. We're alive to God. We've not been you know, only free form something, but we've been freed for something, okay? And you guys need to grasp that. Great, we're free from sin, but what does that mean? We just don't sin anymore? No, we're free <laughs> to do what God's asked us to do. And that's been my one overarching prayer as a pastor of Freedom Fellowship for 14 years now, is that we would be the freest people upon the planet free in Christ to do whatever he's calling us to to do. We're all different, okay? God has made you to be you. And I want to see you have the freedom to be you in Christ. What gifts has he given you? The freedom to go forth. You guys know that God has a purpose and a mission for each one of us, okay? There's the general mission of the church that we all get to partake in, you know, but there are specific things that only you can do that he's set before you. And a lot of us are wallowing in our shame and our guilt of our sin. I've been a Christian for a while and I still can't get my act together. You know, that's just wrong thinking. So many of us, we grasp the reality that we're forgiven in Christ, right? He died on the cross. My sins are forgiven. But this whole business of being cleansed, I can't buy into that because I feel really dirty. No, saint, you are holy. That's what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say go on your feelings. Have you found that verse yet? If you feel this way. No, the Bible says you are holy, but I feel dirty. You've been cleansed. Walk out that truth, that reality. And we get to do that. So we are now free to love. We can serve God. I want us to think about Lazarus for a second. Think about his life with me, okay? He died, (laughs) and then he had life again. And it gives us a beautiful picture of this 
concept. Okay, Jesus raised him from the dead when he said, and what did he say when he did it? Loose him and let him go. When we come to Christ, that's what should happen to you and I. We're loosed. <laughs> We're free. Go. A lot of people think, well, I was crazy before I came to Christ. Great. Be crazy for Christ. Just because you get saved, it doesn't mean you need to live a docile life. A lot of people think, oh, I'm a Christian now. I need to be a dork. No more fun. No more life. That's not Christianity. Okay? If God's made you a little crazy, great. Use it for his glory. He's made you the way you are for a reason. Use it for him. And I love that Lazarus, he left the grave. He got rid of his grave clothes and he just began his new life in Christ. And what do you think Lazarus was doing after he was risen from the dead? I'm pretty sure he was living life, appreciating life a little more. Like, whoa, second chance here? New life? Jesus did this for me? Can I tell you about this guy, Jesus? I think everywhere he went, he was sharing the good news of new life. The hope that there is life after death. That the resurrection is a reality. It is real and you too can have it. Jesus wants to give it to you. All you need to do is trust in him. So consider, recognize, remind yourself that you are dead to sin and alive to Christ. Now again, let's look at verse 12 here. Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So according to verse 13 here, it says, do not go on presenting your members or your parts, okay, um, your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness or weapons. Even some translations say that. So this word instrument, it's speaking about being a tool or a weapon, okay? So sin is regarded as a sovereign in verse 12 here, the reign who demands this military service of its subjects. So we're to present ourselves, our members, okay, to God as instruments of righteousness. And I want us to think about that. Well, what do we have? Well, hopefully this morning our minds are engaging in truth. Because aren't we told that our minds should be transformed by the renewing of our minds? That's what the Bible says. Okay, so right thinking. We need to engage our minds. We also, our eyes. <laughs> what are we taking in? What are we looking at? I would encourage you guys once again, like I do every week, look to Jesus. <laughs> Eyes on Jesus. He's the answer. We need to know what he's up to, looking to him. Our ears, are we hearing the Holy Spirit? Do we have ears to hear what he is saying? So a lot of people hear the word of God, but it's the spirit that just, man, brings it alive. You guys know what I'm talking about? He's like, yeah, this is good. There's insight our mouths, we can say a lot of stuff. Some of us say some things we shouldn't be saying. <laughs> but let us, <laughs> we've been created to praise the Lord. How many times are we exhorted in scripture to praise the Lord with our mouth? Praise him, exalt him, sing to him. Guys, there's times when the temptation of sin is great. It feels overwhelming. And one thing I'm thankful for is the ability to praise. You guys ever just find yourself worshiping the Lord and perspective just radically changes? Man, I, I'm having no victory here. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to stumble. I feel like this temptation is going to get the best of me. I have a guitar. I don't play that well. I don't sing that well. But there's times where I pick it up. I just need to praise the Lord. Instrument of righteousness. And then our heart. Okay? Pretty big deal, according to the scriptures, right? Where's your heart at? A heart. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, right? We are called to love. And as we love him, we're going to find ourselves loving others. And that's what God's called us to do. 
Well, no, I'm here to judge everybody else. No, read the Bible. He judges, we love. And when our heart is on him, loving him, there's going to be an overflow of that love to others. Also, our hands, clap, worship the Lord. And how about our feet, right? Preparation, the gospel of peace, wherever you go, right? Where are your feet going? Take the gospel with you. Well, isn't that just when we're out street preaching or on a missions trip? No, where do you work? Where does God have you going later today? How about in your home? Well, we do the gospel thing at church. No, wherever your feet go, right? Gospel of peace. So present to put at one's disposal, to place aside, that's what we're to do. Spurgeon said this, the most useful, useful members of a church are usually those who would be doing harm if they were not doing good. Maybe you've been self-destructive. <laughs> Let God change your thinking. You're freed up. Use those instruments for the glory of God, for right things. Okay? I've seen some of the people who've had the biggest impact for the gospel were some of the most messed up people I've ever known. But God got a hold of their heart, radically changed, and God uses that for his glory. So whatever he has... You guys wake up in the morning, Lord, here I am. Whatever you want. What's your agenda today? Because we're good at coming up with our own agendas, isn't it? We got a lot of stuff, you know. And we're always on to something. We'll move on, oh, it's this, this week, and next week it'll be this thing. And we're always given to something, you know. What if we were just, here's my life, to the day I die, Lord. It's your agenda. <laughs> Whatever you're asking, let's go. So remember, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, but to make dead people alive. That's what he does. So present yourselves as you are. And catch verse 14, okay? And the question, I guess, has sin have dominion over you? Does it? Because the believer, guys, we're not only to hate sin, but God's given us the power over sin. He's given us an out. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know, even before the sin comes, you guys ever have that Holy Spirit alarm go off? You know, like we're told in 1 Corinthians 10 that he always makes a way of escape. Always does. And he's so faithful. There's things shaking out and I don't even know what's around the bend. But hey, the Holy Spirit's going off. I'm just not even going to go there. It's time to turn around and just leave. Don't even give an opportunity for the flesh. So, sin does, uh, doesn't own us, even though it still tries. Christ owns us because he is our Lord, he's our master, uh, and he has won the victory over sin and death for us. So one day, guys, when we're in heaven, we're going to enjoy the fullness of that victory, but now there's a battle that rages, and us who don't want to acknowledge that battle are foolish, because it's a very real thing. It's something the scriptures address. We all go through it. We all need to engage the battle. And we need to do it God's way. I uh, think of legalism, guys. Legalism says God will love us if we change. Right? And that's wrong thinking. You guys know that God loves you, period? Just as you are. It's not what you do or don't do. God loves you. That's the God of the Bible. That's the gospel. Again, that's why we preach the gospel to ourselves, right? Okay? So legalism, it is not good. I love when Jesus came on the scene, okay? Okay? Who was he after? The politicians who were wicked of the day? No. He spoke against the self-righteous, legalistic Pharisees. You religious peeps. You're the ones with the problem. You need to get right with God. Okay? Um, and I think that's so important for us today. Because we, as the church, according to 1 Timothy 3.15, are to be a pillar of truth in our society. Okay? The world should be able to look to us for truth. <laughs> and the truth is always going to be what? Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Are we pointing people to him? You know, or are we pointing at all the stupid that's going on in the world? Well, we got to do this and fix this. 
That's the truth. No, the truth is Jesus. The truth is the gospel. Okay? And that's what the legalist does, gets into all the doing. This is what's right. No, Jesus is what's right. He is what we need. He is who we preach. The kingdom, it's all about him because he's the king. You see, the gospel or being under God's grace says God will change us because in Christ, he has <laughs> he infinitely loved us. And that's much difference. Do you guys see the difference there? Do you guys see the difference of the gospel? And that's what he's calling us to, guys. So it's not behaving better, it's believing better. And you guys might be like, pastor, believing better? What does that mean? Well, it's becoming increasingly what we already are, what Christ has already secured for you and I. It's walking that out. It's believing it. Okay? He's forgiven us and he has cleansed us. You are clean, saint. You're clean. So it's not to say become something you're not. It says, become practically what you are already positionally. This is who you are in Christ. So our problem as saints is not thinking we can, you know, thinking that we actually can earn God's favor by doing something. But you guys know better because you're well taught here at Freedom Fellowship, right? But it is, <clears throat> but there's a daily struggle, you know, when we're thinking that we got to keep God's favor. And I think that's where a lot of Christians fall in. I got to keep doing this. You know, I got to make it to church. Church is a good thing. God's ordained it. But if it's like, hey, if I keep doing my prayers and keep doing my devotions, and if I'm, you know, generous and I do this and that, then I will keep this favor from God. That's backwards thinking, guys. See, our hearts are naturally bent on trying to maintain favor with God in sustaining performance-driven relationship with God, but we must depend on the gospel. Okay, We must depend upon grace. So we focus more introspectively on our sins and our need to improve than we do on Christ's victory over sin and our guaranteed success. You see, guys, if you focus more on your sin than on your Savior, you'll become a neurotic narcissist. Okay, when we focus on our sin, it's miserable, isn't it? Okay, I don't think I'm the only one who's done it, but it's a miserable place to live in. That's not what God has for us. Okay, and we think it's because <laughs> I'm miserable because of my sin, then I must be doing good. I know a lot of Christians who walk around in that way, beating themselves up. You're forgiven in Christ. Stop beating up what God loves and whom he died for. So saying if you're one beating yourself up, repent. Knock it off. Start walk. Do the math. <laughs> Start walking out the gospel. You are alive to God. Now, um, wrapping up this morning, I hope you guys have caught the big three here. The knowing, considering, presenting okay that's what paul's laid out for you and i so we know that who you know you once were it's been you're crucified with christ okay and you're a new creation we know this now we need to consider we recognize we need to remind yourself that you're dead to sin and that you're alive to god consider so know consider and then present is the last part, right? This new life. You present this new life to God for his glory. I'm going to walk in it. I'm going to live it. It's all for your glory. It's for your service. Here I am. I'm free to do whatever you're asking me to do. Sin's not going to hold me back any longer. You set me free from that. So this side of heaven, guys, sin will always be with us. But so will the truth of Christ saving us from it. So I hope that you guys have been encouraged by these scriptures this morning. I hope this is a passage that you run back to because if you're like me, you're going to forget quickly and we need to constantly be in that place of renewing our minds. This is 
who you are, Jesus. This is who I am in you. This is all that you've done for me. And I'm going to live it out. (laughs) I'm going to believe it. I'm going to trust you. That's what he wants of us. So I want to conclude our time uh, with communion this morning. If I could have a couple guys pass out communion. Uh, For you who are here, I ask uh, that you are saved, that you put your faith in Christ and you're welcome to partake with us. But I think one of the things we often do when we do partake of the Lord's table together is we know, consider, and present. Have you guys ever thought about that? Aren't we called to remember his life and his death? And I don't know about you guys, I have a hard time not doing that during communion and thinking, considering what he's done, and then as a result, what we will do with that. All right, before we partake, I want to share with you something I read this week by Oliver Wendell Holmes. I loved it. It really kind of ties in and brings uh, home what we've considered here this morning. He said this, The great thing in this world is not so much where we stand as in what direction we are moving. To reach the port of heaven, we must sail sometimes with the wind and sometimes against the wind. But we must sail, not drift, nor lie at anchor. We're moving forward, guys. And something we do along the way is we remember Jesus. We look to him. Because we know there's a day, and I think it's coming soon, that he's going to come back. He's going to return. But until he does, guys, we're going to keep looking to him. We're going to keep doing that together. We're going to encourage each other uh, to have our eyes on Jesus. Sound good? So let's pray, and then we'll partake. Father, we're thankful for your word this morning. We're thankful for the truth of the gospel. We're so thankful that you've given us new life. Lord, to be born again of the Spirit, to have all things become new. What a gift. What a Savior you are. I do pray for each one of us, God, that you would really speak clearly, Lord, in our considerations of what uh, this new life means, how we're to walk that out, to live it out for your glory. We thank you that the gospel, Father, is um, so practical for us today. Lord, we need you. We're looking to you, and that's what we're doing as we partake of the cup and the bread here together. Lord, we're remembering you and our need of you, Lord. Thank you so much for your love, for your provision, all that you've done for us, Jesus. We're going to continue to stand upon our confession of you, Lord, upon our solid rock. Amen? Amen. Let's partake together, guys. This is our brother Tony. He's going to share. So I don't know a lot of you. There's a lot of new uh, folks in the church, but something I just wanted to share and answer prayer this week. It's been kind of a a rough week for our family. Uh, My uncle got into a motorcycle accident with a semi-truck on Wednesday, and he's been in the hospital. Um, But praise God, he... Just from the get-go, it's been just a miracle that he's alive because he was wearing a helmet. Um, he has no internal organ damage, n- not a single broken bone. Uh, he's got a bad concussion, and he's got some memory issues. Um, so uh, hopefully, I think from what I heard Friday, they had him up and walking already, and it sounds like he might get to come home uh, tomorrow or Tuesday. So hoping to visit him uh, in the hospital soon or at home uh, as well. But just wanted to share, you know, we all get so busy in our daily lives and kind of like what Landon was sharing today, just the perspective of eternity and how quickly uh, things can change and how uh, fleeting life can be and and how uh, what a precious gift life really is. It really throws a lot of that into perspective when things like this happen. And I just want to praise God for him keeping my uncle safe and... Uh, that's all I wanted to share. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. What's your office name? Don? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing, Tony. God, we do want to lift up Uncle. What was it, Don? Don, to you. 
Uh, just thank you, Lord, uh, that he's still around. We just pray for complete healing for him. Um, and just as standing before you, I don't know if he walks in, in faith or not, but we know that you love him. We just pray that you would uh, just be meeting with him. And we do pray, Lord, for all of us. I, I love what Tony shared there. Uh, just help us to live out that eternal perspective. God, we don't know what tomorrow holds. You told us not to worry about it. God, but we do want to live uh, this new life to the fullest. So please give us that grace to do so. I'm asking your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.